Welcome to Art of the Score, the podcast that explores, demystifies and celebrates some of the greatest soundtracks of all time from the world of film, TV and video games. I'm Andrew Poxon, and in each episode we'll be joined by Daniel Golding and Nicholas Buck as we check out a soundtrack we love, break down its main themes, explore what makes the score tick and hopefully impart our love of the world of soundtracks. In episode 30, we dive under the sea and return to 1989's The Little Mermaid, written and directed by Ron Clements and John Musker, with music by the amazing Alan Menken and lyrics by Howard Ashman. In 2019, we celebrate this Disney classic's 30th anniversary. It's also episode 30. That's a nice little hookup. So what better time to crack open the clam that is this film and remove the pearl that is this music? And uh, go fishing for more clams. I don't know how the sea works, but they're references anyway, folks. Uh, Joining me in our little rowboat, surrounded by peer-pressuring amphibians, is composer, arranger, orchestrator, conductor, and a keen collector, some would say hoarder, of who's-its and what's-its galore. It's Nicholas Buck. How you doing, Nick? I'm going really well, guys. I'm very excited, actually, to do our first Disney film. Well, I guess you could count The Force Awakens as maybe a Disney film, (laughs) but I guess a Disney musical, which is something we really haven't looked at at all in this podcast, and it's a really uh, great opportunity. Alan Menken is a wonderful composer and really spearheaded this, I guess, new era of Disney, which we can talk about. That's a great little ocean reference there, spearheaded. And rounding out our trio, speaking of spears, our trident, if you will... He's a critic, he's a university lecturer, a writer, ABC radio host, and Nick, this is interesting, I'm told he's a keen pescatarian. Actually, I'm a Capricorn. (laughs) (laughs) It's Dr. Dan Golding. How are you doing, Dan? Uh, I'm going well. Yes, I agree with Nick. I think this is a wonderful score. I think Alan Menken is a hugely underrated composer, which, you know, look, he's actually had massive success, so that's kind of a strange thing to say. But I think in the annals of film composing, he doesn't quite get the the due he probably deserves. Uh, and, I, you know, I think, uh, yeah, it's great to look at a, a Disney musical. Yeah, I'm, I'm liking this for two reasons. One, we've got an animation. Yeah. We haven't done animation before, so mm. that's exciting. But we haven't done a musical either. So we're getting... Two for the price of one. Yeah. yeah. And look, I guess, you know, there's many Disney musicals we could look at. Some might even argue that perhaps Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast and some of his other hits are better scores. Uh, but I think it's very important to actually start at the beginning where it all began. Yeah. For, for many reasons, which we'll get to. Absolutely. Now, before we, we uh, deep dive into this episode here, I've got to remind everyone at home to like and subscribe, Dan. That's what you got to do. It's all I ever do. It's all you ever do. You mm. like a lot of things. <laughs> uh, yeah, so if you are enjoying this podcast um, and you haven't uh, left a rating or written a, a, a comment, then please uh, feel free to do all of that. It really helps get the word out there, which is always a good thing because apparently our advertising budget, Nick, zero dollars. Mm. It is. So it's all word of mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but look... We love the and we love the emails. We get so many. We get a lot of questions. Mm. We get a lot of hey, did you guys know this? And yeah. yeah, like we say before, we don't know everything and we are always intrigued 
and thrilled to get messages from our fans and other keen film score collectors yeah. out there. Well, it, I mean, just to, to, to that point, actually, I mean, Andrew said in uh, the backstage Art of the Score communication that maybe we should have a mailbag segment, and we definitely won't do that now, but if you want a mailbag segment, yeah. write in and tell us. I don't think, <laughs> what, what I was thinking, let me just pitch something live mm. to you. Okay, go, that's what, go you, for it. Yeah. People listening to Little Mermaid have to sit through this pitch. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Write in if you would like, because we actually do get a lot of mail, yeah. Yeah, a lot of mail, a lot of questions. If you would like some of that mail read out in its own episode, mm. so we'll call it mailbag episode. You can just listen in. There'll be a whole bunch of random, not connected questions, mm. and uh, we'll go through and we'll do our best to at least have an opinion. Mm. I can do that. Yeah, I'll be right. And we'll bring a piano just for fun. Yeah, yeah. why not? Yeah. Uh, then you know, I guess write in and tell us yeah. if that's something you'd enjoy. Mm. Um, but like I said, we might we might disconnect them from the. The uh, the normal episode. So if it's not your bag, you can. You can <laughs> it's just, not your mailbag. If it's yeah. not your mailbag, yeah. Thank you, Dan. No worries. I'm off my game. Yeah. <laughs> um, now I guess uh, Dan, let's um, let's actually get stuck right yeah. into the Little Mermaid. And of course, we have the Disney musical. We have Alan Menken, Howard Ashman. What 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 can you tell us about all of this? Well, look, cast your minds to a moment in history where Disney is not the ultimate power in the universe. What? Yeah. It seems strange to say now with their complete dominance of all things, not just cinema, but entertainment, really. Uh, And, you know, imagine a world where they're kind of going through hard times. They've uh, had, well, Walt has passed and his brother Roy took over for a a period and then passed, uh, I think, in the 70s as well. And they've had a few sort of, um, you know, pitfalls, pratfalls. They've made some some odd films in the wake of Star Wars, in fact. They made a massive mistake with The Black Hole in 1979. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like their answer to Star Wars, wasn't it? A very expensive uh, $20 million film, which was Mm. a lot back then. Uh, and really didn't work a lot. They also had some, uh, well, defections from the, the traitor. Well, that's, that's <laughs> too harsh. Don, Don, <laughs> but, you know, Don, Don Bluth uh, had, uh. had uh, you know, worked for Disney for a while and, and went off and made his own films, uh, An American Tale, Land Before Time, uh, Anastasia which is a very sort of Disney-looking film uh, later in the 90s. So you say American Tale. Wasn't hmm. there, didn't Disney do like a mouse adventure thing around the same time yeah, from memory? I think, I think so. It, was like, it was, yeah. wasn't as good as American Tale. No. I know that much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so they, you know, they were sort of losing ground. They hadn't really had a massive animated hit for a while. Probably the last thing that looked like that was maybe Robin Hood, which was in the 70s. Or Jungle Book? Yeah, uh, well, Jungle, Jungle, Jungle Book, Book I before. think, is, is, is before then. Yeah, yeah, right, okay. Yep. Um, and so, you know, they'd done Tron, which I think is a fantastic film, but was a box office failure. Yep. So, you know, things weren't looking too hot. They had, you know, the massive success of opening Epcot, uh, you know, footnote, that was not a massive success, <laughs> even though I, <laughs> I really like uh, Epcot. I'm one of the, the many Epcot nerds out there. Uh, and so, you know, things, things weren't looking so hot for, for Disney. And mm. so, 89, they work with uh, Alan Menken and Howard Ashman, who'd had success uh, on Broadway, essentially. They'd uh, done uh, the musical Little Shop of Horrors, mm. uh, which was very successful. Which is so good. Yeah, really, really fantastic. And I think, you know, in the films that followed, you can hear that that musical, that stage musical background of Mencken and, um, well, Ashman uh, when he worked, when he, because he died um, shortly after, I think. Um, but, you know, uh, so 89, 
they work with uh, those two and, well, sort of the, the, the fortunes of the company changes. And, and subsequent, I mean, Nick's already listed a few of them, but 89, yeah, Little Mermaid. 91, you get Beauty and the Beast. 92, you get Aladdin. 95, Pocahontas. Uh, 96, Hunchback of Notre Dame. 7, Hercules. Uh, and then all the way forward with Alan Menken's involvement, Enchanted in 2007 and Tangled in 2010. The 90s, though. Yeah. Man. It's funny, you read out that list and I can just picture like the cover of each DVD yeah. in my head, yeah. you know, which I had on the shelf. Oh, you know, Oh boy, in a VHS box or something growing up. I mean, that's like, <laughs> that's almost, and this is going to be a very long bow to mm. to uh, draw here. Mm. Uh, that's almost like the Beatles in that yeah, yeah. there's this very short period, mm. far shorter than you really think it mm. is, mm. where they knock out hit after hit after hit after hit that just sort of redefining the the idea of the animated musical yeah or just animation in general really uh, absolutely and the Oscars to go with it well yeah no it's true I mean <laughs> Alan Tell Menken then. how many does he have <laughs> he's got eight which is more than our our good friend uh, John Williams I won't hear anything I, bad I, about yeah. Mr Williams thank no, you no well look. John, uh, uh, old mate John's got more nominations. He's got, <laughs> he's got 51, okay, which I'm is good. not bad. Look, Menken got a couple of two-for-ones. Yeah. You, you get a best score and a best song in the one uh, uh, meat sandwich. Kind that's of thing, true. So. I, hasn't John Williams got a best song or two, though? Yeah. So I think... Yub nub. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. But I, th- I think he might, actually. So, uh, And, you know, John Williams has got uh, Oscars from... Uh, now defunct categories it's like um, <laughs> uh, well he's got nominations sorry in best best song he didn't win but uh, but uh, for best arrangement uh, from mm. a pre-existing Fiddler on the Roof yeah. oh right sure. that was his first Oscar win was in a category that no longer exists yeah. so you know if you want to get technical <laughs> uh, but yeah you know like Mencken uh, his music his songs are great obviously but the scores are just fantastic yeah they're well. just as good isn't it it's yeah. not like he's just a really great songwriter no like he's absolutely that, mm. but then the the orchestration, the underscoring, the you know all of that amazing score, movie score writing yeah. is just phenomenal. And yep. it's always a nice touch, which you don't always get in musicals, where the person who's written the songs also writes the underscore. Yeah, yeah super uh, unusual. Especially these days, often you'll get you know the hit songwriting duo. Um, I mean, look at Greatest Showman songs by um, what are their names? The greatest. Um, uh, Pasek and Paul. Yep. And um, underscore by John Debney and Joe Trapanese. Mm. Um, you know, Frozen, score by Christoph Beck. Mm. Um, but the songs were by, um, uh, I've forgotten them, husband and wife team. Fans yeah. would be killing me. It <laughs> yeah, just yeah, escapes yeah. me at the moment. <laughs> um, but yeah, to get it integrated like it, uh, it is with Mencken is really mm. a, nice, a nice synergy, which I always love. Mm. Idina Menzel. Well, she sung. She sung. She's the one that got her name yeah. Lopez. massively, massively. Lopez. The Lopez. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, can't, God, I can't remember their first name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was the one who had her name massively. Uh, yeah, Adele Dazeem. Yeah, like yeah. The, remember that's that? right. Incred- yeah. Thanks, John Travolta. <laughs> Incredible stuff. <laughs> but yeah, there's always a beautiful synergy when those two things happen. Yeah. And um, yeah, The Mermaid really was the first in what's set off to be a massive yeah, series well, it, of hit runs. And, and not just series of hit runs, it's the revival of the company. Disney mm. uh, as a major, major force in again not just Hollywood but the entertainment universe. I mean, would we, would we have uh, Marvel in the same position? Would we have Star Wars in the same position if not for this moment in time? Yeah, if not for their version of Aquaman. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And isn't it better than Aquaman? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, they had a little bit of a lull in the 2000s. Mm. Yeah, sure. Um, mm. But I guess that's when Pixar was going nuts. Yeah. Which still Disney. Yeah. So, you know. There we go. Well, now it's just tag team, you know? Yeah, yeah. If, exactly. if Pixar is having an off year, well, we'll just put out a Star Wars. <laughs> See how that and, goes. Look, maybe it's telling that, I mean, some of the great films from this era are being remade yeah. as live action. I mean, look, the three big ones we're talking about, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin. I mean, the the, the latter two there have both had live action remakes. Little yep. Mermaid, as we're recording this, is about to get one. Mm. Um, and they're obviously, they're classics for a reason. Yeah. And, and this really was, was the first of the three. Mm. So, guys, let's actually play some music. Mm. And uh, as we always do, Nick... Let's start with uh, the main theme. I guess we, well, we, we, not even guess, this is definitely the main theme of yeah. The Little Mermaid. And that, of course, is Ariel's theme, which ultimately comes from her song, Part of Your World. Yeah. Uh, what can you tell us, Nick? About this? Well, I mean, this, I, I read somewhere recently that there was a potential that this song wouldn't even be in the film. Hilarious. Can you, can you imagine this film without it? I mean, it's just, it is the heart and soul of this character. And I don't know how it would exist the film that is uh, without this song because it is in so integral to the whole, the whole kind of um, point of her, you know, her arc, her story arc in this song. But it's also the fact that in the underscoring, it turns up time and time and yeah. time again. Yeah. You know, it almost, almost opens the film. Um, you know, it turns up all over the place mm. throughout the entire thing. You take that out, I don't even know what's left <laughs> yeah. after that. Yeah. 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 So I think the idea was there was some debate over whether kids would have the attention span for a kind of longing... romantic sort of... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So, well... Wow. There you go. But look, let's play the song that we're all talking about and really pay attention, I guess, to the two main elements, which are the verse and the chorus. Um, we won't sit through it all, but I'll, I'll shout out when we get to the chorus because really the way they're used throughout the rest of the film is actually quite segregated between those, these two elements. So here's the verse. Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? Wouldn't you think I'm the girl, the girl who has everything? Look at this trove, treasures untold. How many wonders can one cavern hold? Looking around here, you think, sure, she's got everything. And now the chorus. Flipping your fins, you don't get too far. Legs are required for jumping. Dancing, strolling along down a, what's that word again? Street. Up where they walk, up where they run, up where they stay all day in the sun. Wandering free, wish I could be part of that world. <laughs> it's pretty great, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the it's actually when when we talk about this song, it's important to actually maybe even think about the musical. Well, and when I say musical structure, I mm. mean structure within musicals, within mm. theatre musicals. And this is what we call the classic "I want" song. So yeah, it totally is, isn't it? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, she even says, "I want to be." <laughs> yeah, like she yeah. even says, "I want." So many yeah. well, "I want" songs or "I wish" songs yeah. don't actually say "I want" yeah. or "I wish" in them, uh, but. She actually says it. So, if you were to give one example of what 
the I Want song is, you would actually just play yeah. part of your world. But <laughs> to give you an idea of what we're talking about, um, these are songs that happen in, in so many musicals, not every single one, but it's normally within the first, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes of the musical. The main character uh, turns up on stage, sometimes by them, often by themselves, mm. actually, mm. Um, maybe with one other person, and they'll sit there and they'll ultimately sort of sing about what it is that is... Um, you know, not so great about their life. Yeah, they want to change. They're sort of dreaming about something, yearning for something, and it's really what is going to propel the narrative forward for the next, you know, two acts. So, (laughs) yeah. um, yeah. So to give you some examples of what we're talking about here, so with some old school musicals, um, things like uh, "Wouldn't It Be Lovely" from My Fair Lady, or "I Have Confidence" from Sound of Music, or even um, actually, this is my favourite song of all time. Uh, somewhere over the rainbow from the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, well, that's probably the earliest example, really. We're talking yeah. like late 1930s here. Yeah, mm, absolutely. So, yeah. it's that that idea of yearning, and and of course, to go into the the Disney line of things, we've got I can't I just can't wait to be king from the Lion King, yeah. uh, just around the river bend from Pocahontas. Um, Frozen actually technically gets two. Oh really? Um, and, and in fact, you could even say they get three if you count Olaf's "I Want" song. Greedy. Uh, <laughs> I know <laughs> they've really, uh, really laid it on there. Mm. But we've got um, "Do You Want to Build a Snowman" at the start, and uh, for the first time in forever, are both sort of ultimately mm. "I Want" songs. Mm. Um, now for Moana, you get "How Far I'll Go," and this is a this is a good one, uh, Dan. This is mm. recent. Mm. Um, a place called Slaughter Race. Where's yes. that from, Daniel? Uh, that is Wreck It Ralph. Two, yeah. uh, Ralph Ralph breaks the internet. Ralph breaks it. It's actually that's a hilarious a, song. It's a that's a that's an Alan Menken. It as is well. an Alan Menken song. Yeah. That's no, why I put it in there because <laughs> yeah. they got him in to do the Perfect. I Want song. Who, who the, else? Who else could you call for that? Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. So yeah, it's this really sort of important, um, I guess, narrative technique where you through song you set up what the character's dreams and hopes are and then allow everything to sort of propel from there so um but like i said if you were to sort of go to a classroom and say all right we've got time for one what's the ultimate i want song it's going to be part of your world every time i wonder i mean i can't think of anything specific off the top of my head whether that you know you're making it sound like it's, it's so integral to the art form of the of the musical whether it has an earlier precedent in like opera or even like Gilbert and Sullivan style stuff. Mm. It's um, possible. I don't know enough about that. You know, I'm, I'm no opera guy. I mm. know opera, but I don't yeah. know it the, to the level I know some of this stuff. So mm. listeners write in. Yeah. If you're yeah. an opera buff. <laughs> uh, if and there definitely are. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, surely just narrative wise, there'd have to be some kind of precedent. I reckon there has to be in Puccini somewhere. But I mean, know. I think probably what's different is the stage musical, particularly the Broadway, like American style musical. It's much more overt in the address to the audience, or at least the inviting in of the audience. Yeah. 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 I mean, you, in a musical, I mean, I can't imagine Siegfried sort of like bearing his soul to the trees in no. the same way as Ariel here is kind of, you know, <laughs> essentially just singing to the waves, but really she's singing to the audience. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah totally. Mm. Yeah. But look, let's um, let's look at this, I guess, the verse element of this piece, because to me, this is much more um, applicable throughout the film than actually that that chorus bit. And even within the verse, we've got this kind of, bubbling almost like a sort of yeah i just think of like the of the bubbles rising up to the surface (laughs) 
this rising accompaniment figure um, that always sits sits on the on, on top of like yeah like like the undercurrent of water and even the verse melody itself. It's always going upwards. Mm. So and just those little elements. It's always rising up. Yeah. And it's so I mean, she's one yeah, she's underwater. She wants to get to the surface and become a human. That really is the essence of the narrative. Mm. Um, of of her yeah her plot arc it's perfect and I mean that harmony is just so frictionless it's just delicious in the way that <laughs> it just it you know there are no rough angles to that the way that it you know sort of sketches out and eases and opens up it's yeah. that that beautiful like to me Broadway sound and and you know I think we've we've discussed this in the past how we talk about pedal mm. notes where the left hand or the bottom part of the harmony doesn't move. Yet the top harmony rises up. There it is, the boom. Yeah, so it's almost like, I mean, again, to use a C reference, Andrew, it's the anchor <laughs> yeah. holding her down in her world. Yeah. But no, she wants to go up. She wants to go up. Yeah. yeah. But I, th- I think it's a it's it works both ways. It's it's visual. So you got that idea of someone looking up, wanting to be up. Even the way that the uh, scene is drawn mm. or shot, or mm. however you want to refer to it, mm. you know, she is always looking up to the surface the entire time. Uh, but it's emotional as well. It's this idea yep. of hope, and yep. that there's this sort of yearning to to uh, be free and to live this other life. And it's a hopeful. It's not like I've I've got you know this is hopeless. Mm. Mm. Um, it really is this sort of yearning and like this could be a yeah. thing, you know, yeah. um, in the future. So And look, in the yeah. very first, one of the very first scenes, we get her swimming around this shipwreck with flounder. Um, God, that little fish is so cute. I'm having a little <laughs> flounder doll or little teddy bear as a kid. Just adorable. Um, but yeah, the, the, the theme really has a sort of hopeful quality about it i mean it sometimes turns a little mysterious but have a listen you really get that sense of exploration and oh what's out there in this in this world And of course, that piece of storytelling there is the moment where it's cutting between a close-up of Ariel and Flounder, who were looking out on a shipwreck. Mm-hmm. And then, as that sinister music comes in, it's because it's it's you know cut to the the shipwreck, and all of a sudden it goes all sinister, and then back mm-hmm. to Ariel again, mm-hmm. and you've got this great juxtaposition between that sort of hopefulness and then this sort of you know foreboding that's coming through. And this is what we're really talking about when we say that um, you know Alan Menken has this really yeah. wonderful storytelling with the with the underscore there. I got to say with that with that. Piano, da, 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 especially when I hear Nick do it. I'm going to make an Australian reference, so sorry, everybody else. <laughs> but to me, whenever Nick, if you play that, um, yeah, I'm just like, I want to pick a window to go through on Play School. <laughs> on play don't school. you think? Yeah. Yes. The arch window, folks. Yeah. yeah. Arch window. Today, boys and girls. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
forget the circle, square, and diamond. Exactly. Arch all the way. Are you an arch window man? Uh, yeah, I was actually. You really? I was arch window. Nick, yeah. what, what was your mm. favourite window on Play School? Um, the round window. Round window. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he would. He looks like a round window guy, doesn't <laughs> yeah. he? Just for, for those who aren't yeah. Australia, Play School is like the, the most popular very small toddler children's yeah, yeah. Know, TV but importantly show. put on by the um, our um, the Disney of Australia well yeah. our, our free what would you call yeah, it national our, broadcaster. national broadcaster yeah. the ABC yeah, the ABC. yeah. 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 anyway <laughs> anyway sorry for that uh, <laughs> slight okay. detour yeah. some Australians are just yelling out Diamond, yeah, yeah, square <laughs> right now. Yeah, no, the yeah. diamond's a new window, isn't it? No, I, I think diamond was always there, wasn't oh, okay. it? Okay, oh, yeah, it's been anyway. a while for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Are you guys also hearing a bit of? Oh God, I don't want to talk about Star Wars again. A bit mm. of Yoda's theme Ooh. Ooh, in the yeah. harmony. That sort of. Oh sure. Mm. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. Not sure what that means. Anything? Yeah, well, no, it's, it's a Disney reference. It's a similar sort of, you know, hopeful gravity. Yeah. Yeah. And it's grounded. And yeah. 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 But look, we've talked a lot about hope. Um, it is also used in very, I guess, moments of sadness and despondency um, in Ariel's character. And Nick, this is a this is a great one to play because uh, for listeners at home, uh, this is the moment after Triton discovers that Ariel's been hoarding all of this stuff mm. in that hoarder's paradise. Yeah, that hoarder's paradise of hers, <laughs> and he trashes the place, and then she sort of absolutely, you know, I guess emotionally destroyed. Like she's on the ground. She's mm. you know, it's all hopeless from here. And interestingly, Menken uses. Um, Two flutes and one harp for this. So he reduces the orchestra right down from, you know, 80, 90-odd people all the way down to three people. And once again, a clever use of orchestration this time to tell mm. the story. Not only is it sort of a sadder version, uh, but it also makes the orchestra very small at a time mm. when Ariel is feeling very small. Yep, vulnerable. Um, yeah, and vulnerable and so on. So, yeah, and, and, and here's my theory here, Dan. All right. Hit so us. you've got the instruments. Uh-huh. You've got the two flutes and one uh, one harp. Yep. Two plus one equals three. King Triton, try. Oh. Three. Uh, Nailed it. There you go. Nailed it. Another case solved. Another case solved. You know, but what would make it even better <laughs> is if we had King Triton's tritone. Oh. But you know, the just the interval's not there. Where were you, Alan? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know the other thing that I was thinking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the other thing that I was thinking about the orchestration, flutes and harps. Yep. Uh, that's also what John Barry uses for his underwater sequences in Thunderball. If we, you know, yeah. build the transmedia oh, sure. enterprise of Art of the Score, go back yeah, and yeah. check check out those episodes. Yeah, it's, yeah this They're really very underwater. Soft and, mm. Yeah, nothing sharp about them. Mm. Mm. Very bummy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, when Ariel is sort of in love, we get a. Why did you say it that way, Nick? Well, because it's. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm she's in love, Nick. She's in love. I'm just going to come out and say it. This is serious. I'm not going to hide my feelings. She's in love. Damn it. And um, she, 
uh, they we hear like a waltz version of this melody mm. very briefly, but it's yeah, it's it's like her dancing and brushing her hair in the bedroom, just very excited to be in love. <laughs> There you go. It is lovely. Yeah. yeah. Sprightly. Is it the I feel pretty moment? Yeah. From, uh, oh, it is a bit from Actually, West Side. Yeah. Totally West is. Side. Yeah. I'm surprising myself with my little bit of musical knowledge yeah. here. Like I love musicals, but yeah. I would never claim that that I'm a that I know a lot about them. You know, I'm pretending that I yeah, do. Yeah, don't, for this don't give it away. Like, <laughs> Sorry, wait a minute. Yeah. We'll cut that. We'll cut that. <laughs> yeah. And you're not uh, sort of back of the hairbrush in the mirror, kind yeah. of sing along. Kind yeah, of oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm totally <laughs> that guy. Absolutely. Um, now, one of the best examples of Ariel's theme is in the great transformation sequence. This is where the evil Ursula, our, our um, villain or villainess of the film, uh, takes Ariel's voice. And we get a great performance this time of actually literally Ariel's voice performing this theme and really have a listen to the way the voice has been kind of produced. It starts off quite normal and then it's almost like you can hear it being extracted out of her body and it becomes this sort of echo effect. It's really fantastic. So people with headphones on would have heard that sort of totally split into stereo where it started off sort of centered and then it went very hard left mm. and and right. And actually, interestingly, right at the end, it sounds like it goes into another room. I mean, really, but you're hearing her actual voice and then the the echo or the reverb. Yeah. And by the end, you're not hearing any of the initial sound of her actual voice. Yeah. You're just hearing the reverb. Yeah, the reverb. Only. And it's really, yeah, yeah. it's a sonic way of signposting that it's, it's yeah, it's traveling and it's yeah. coming out of her throat and it's it's, it's being to Ursula. And mm. it does sound like it's been trapped in somewhere echoey. So you can imagine like a, a steel box. Yeah. And and the door closes sonically. The door closes on her voice yep. when all of that initial principal sound disappears. And now it's you're getting the box sound. Yeah. Um. And it, it, it flies by very quickly. But I think it's it's not often that we talk about how something's recorded in no. underscore. Um, but that's a really great example of, once again, storytelling through music mm. where they're using, I guess, uh, production effects, recording techniques. Yeah. And I mean, I think watching the film, you might not even necessarily realize it's a musical effect. Really, you might think it's kind of almost sound effects in the world of the film. Oh, um, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's just, you know, yeah, it's really effective. Mm. Mm. And look, I think the the reason Menken's chosen this verse element to use much more in the film is just because it's so simple. It's really yeah. it's three notes, you know, that rise up in a sequence. So even as a young child, you can you can latch onto it sonically. Whereas the verse, on the other hand, is um, takes a I guess a longer time to get through the full melody, and so is less identifiable straight away. Um, but we get it f- actually in times when I feel it's more. It's more despondent. It's like if the verse theme is like a, a hopeful it's thing hopeful, of what's yeah. to come, this one's almost like a nostalgic reminder of actually what she's kind of leaving behind. Oh, so yeah. it kind of feels a bit like, are you sure, Ariel, you actually want to 
you know, get legs and go off with this prince. You're leaving behind us, your friends. And mm. actually one of the times we hear it is when Sebastian's sort of imploring her, you know, what have you done? Why are you going to do this? And then he kind of, he relents and he gives in, okay, fine, you're my friend. I will help you find this prince. And so you actually get the performance of the chorus theme, but it really feels, you're kind of feeling that Sebastian is maybe on the this cusp of losing losing his friend. I mean, it's kind of saying, remember what we used to have. Yeah, um, totally. So it's yeah, it's it's very much pulling back into that 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 sort of element. God, it's it's so, and I I really do mean this in the best way. It's so simple, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like it feels like a real masterclass in stripping back things. That like, even in that little yeah. section there, you've got these little. Um, segments of the orchestra mm. having their moment, you know, the mm. woodwinds and through the strings and you've got the keyboards there and stuff. Mm. And it sort of just gets passed around and they're little tight units mm. and there isn't a note that's sort of wasted and, mm. yeah, really good. And, uh, I mean, another thing, we talked about how Ariel's theme or the verse always goes up. Have a listen to the, the I guess, the mm. descending bass line in this passage. It's always going down. So it's just this. <laughs> My baby just That's a bit of casual Nina Simone. Yeah, why not? Look, I, 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 I would like to put something to you, Nick, that this is in fact not the chorus. This okay. is by my reading of it, a pre-chorus. <gasps> so yeah. I reckon the, yeah, maybe. the, the yep, yep. chorus is, is the... Da, 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 da. Yeah. Which is still going down. <laughs> yeah. But it is more joyous. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean... I, I mean, yeah, for people out there don't really know what Dan's talking about, often we talk <laughs> about... A frequent the, um, set of affairs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is you know, an, uh, a common occurrence, yeah. I must say. Yeah. If the mailbag's anything to go yeah. by, Dan. <laughs> wow, wow. Like, okay. Dear out of the school, what the hell is Dan yeah. talking about? Uh, a pre-chorus is kind of like, kind of what it means. It's the bit that isn't the verse, but it's not quite the, the real meat and potatoes bones of the chorus. Mm. So it's often a bit that kind of leads in, into the chorus. Mm. Um, and it often doesn't feel as grounded as mm, a chorus mm. would so yeah i think totally you, you're mm. on the money there it's it a big it's a big pre-chorus. pop pop um, yeah you know writing yeah. technique well i mean i just also keep coming back to i just love if if indeed if it indeed is the chorus now just the last little phrase which i always hear different lyrics to in my head just because of the kind of musical construction of which is something like it must resolve come on resolve Ah, there it is. <laughs> and like, it's just perfect pop writing, right? It's like oh, this build up of like tension, tension, release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And oh, again, because so the bass line is all not moving. Right? There mm. it is. Majestic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good, so good. Um, and... Here's an interesting thing. We actually hear this melody played by what becomes the future love interest, Prince Eric, um, on 
actually within the film. So a bit of source music, mm. a bit of um, non diegetic music. Non diegetic. Non diegetic. No diegetic. Diegetic. Yeah, a bit of diegetic oh, music. Oh, Nick, Nick. So did you see how you fooled Dan? I was then? so taken with your confident. <laughs> Uh, you know, pronunciation. Yeah. Good short circuited there for yeah. <laughs> I, saw, I saw, I saw the spark come out of his ear. Uh, yeah, we get Prince Eric playing the lonely recorder, and it's actually it's really nice effect because it's like, oh, if only a girl would come along that mm. you know would steal my heart away. I'm I just, think I'm, I'm just going to play this lonely tune. The girls aren't coming along because you're playing recorder, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not playing the trumpet or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, here's how it goes. So speaking of weird things, and this is not about the fact that a grown man is playing mm. recorder on the beach. It's mm. totally normal. Who among us? <laughs> Who am I? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the, you know the weird thing about this? Okay. Mm. In any musical that I've ever been to, mm. I and this actually occurred to me as a, as a younger guy. You can imagine that the song that you're you're hearing, mm. and that the song that they're singing between the characters and whatever else is that in their world they're not actually singing. So mm. that when you're in an audience, yes, yeah. it, the information, the conversation, or the emotion, mm. whatever is being you know um, portrayed to you via music, mm. but the characters aren't really singing; they're talking to each other because otherwise right. that'd be really weird. Like yeah. you know, uh, you know, we we don't go around singing at each other, and everyone goes, "Oh, this is very normal." <laughs> but in the you know in the musical world, it's it's yeah. sort of normal. But like I said, it's that suspension of disbelief. Mm. Um, this actually, the the weird part about this this musical, this animated musical, is that the scene in it is actually happening, mm. because Prince Eric has heard Ariel sing mm. her song, and which means that she sung without an orchestra. She sung by herself underwater so to nobody. You're like, saying he heard it like bubbling up from underwater? No, then, no, because mm. doesn't he hear it when when she uh, rescues him on the beach, mm. and oh, she yeah. sings? To him, I guess, or something, yep. and then he remembers that melody, and then he's just sort of trying to relive that moment by playing the melody back on the recorder, going, "Oh, where is that girl who played, yeah. who sung that beautiful song?" Yeah. Um, so this is a musical where the musical is actually happening. The music is real. <laughs> well, it makes sense as well because Sebastian is the court's composer. Well, right? yeah, I guess so. So that's very much in universe. He Do we believe then that purpose. the orchestra that we're hearing as backing is actually happening that somehow that Sebastian is like wrangling up well, this orchestra? King Triton to- could afford it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. He's and pretty you know, I mean, very wealthy. Look, it's, it's it's in the lyrics, which we'll get to later. But you know, he's telling you, like, the bass plays the bass. Like, yeah, come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, <it's true. laughs> uh, anyway, look more clear. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. That's a weird example. Though. It is mm. a weird example. Yeah, yeah. I like it though. It's nice. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, going on with my little comment before about how this chorus melody is really a throwback to the nostalgia of her life that she, you know, is, is potentially leaving. Right towards the end of the film where things come full circle, we have the the happy marriage to the prince, and yet we get a performance of the chorus which feels really quite whilst it's romantic, it's still very nostalgic and sort of oh, I guess she's gone off. It's like Daddy looking down at his little girl getting married and she's no longer gonna be my little girl. She's off married now. Mm. You know, it's it's that kind of kind of notion a bit in, in the music.
So it's not sad per se. It's just it's warm, but it's. I think it's like a bit, sort of like a little bit mature, isn't it? It's yeah. like that's what we had been dreaming of in a you know a childlike way has sort of come to pass, and now it's a little more mature, mature and confident, yeah, and you know it's not it hasn't got anything to prove. Mm. Yeah, and mm. we're, we're sort of accepting the fact that she's she's moving on in yeah. life. And, yeah, 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 and yeah. And then look, the very the very end of the film, of course, ends with this performance by a full choir, and it's much more triumphant. Uh, much more happy and much more assured, finally. And this is the reason we haven't done a musical before. <laughs> <laughs> I had no intention of singing during this, Dan, but okay. the music just took it me. Just, it, yeah. and I, it's powerful. It's powerful I, stuff. Yeah, I had to let go. Yeah. I mean, like that chorus as well is such a throwback to the old Disney sound, I think. Oh, Isn't yeah. it? It really feels like the like the Seven Dwarfs have come in yeah. and singing. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. That really old school yeah. way of singing. Yeah. yeah, it's great. It's like somebody was like, how do we finish this film, guys? And they went back to the old guys in the corner who'd been there since the 40s and said, well, this is how we would have finished it back in the day. And then then they brought in the 1940s chorus. We're going to make a picture. (laughs) (laughs) Where did that accent come from? Oh, that's the classic (laughs) film producer's accent from every film. We need an ending, guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Call him Chicho and Hachi. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's move on to um, the opposite end of the scale in... Ursula, yeah, evil villain of the film. Mm. She's such a wonderful character. She is. Um, she's an octopus. Yes. Yep. Um, Not a squid. Many limbs. Mm. Many. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we might get some many limbs music, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Um, but look, she has her own really quite identifiable sound and yeah. sound world, uh, which again stems from her main song, which is the 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 beauty, poor unfortunate souls. So before we get too much further, let's have a listen to this. Poor unfortunate souls in pain, in need. This one longing to be thinner, that one wants to get the girl, and do I help them? Yes, indeed. Those poor unfortunate souls, so sad, so true. They come flocking to my cauldron, crying spells, Ursula, please, and I help them. Yes, I do. I really like this song. Yeah. I, yeah like, the, you know, the, the Disney villain songs are not always the best. Be, Be Prepared, for example, is probably the weakest song of The Lion King. Sure. But this is so good. Yeah. It's just, it's so funny and kind of so many winks at the audience. Absolutely. Maybe that's why Be Prepared isn't successful because it's too serious. Yeah, maybe. It's not funny. It's not really fun. It's just yeah. like... It's really dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think it's just really well played. And by that, yeah. I mean, like, character played. Yeah. Like, there's so much character within yeah. the, 
you know, within the the voice and the, yeah. the way that she sings it, and, and that that constant up and down of like, do I help them? Yes, I do. Yeah, 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 that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, think of the character verse that she is she is deceptive mm. you know, yeah. she, by nature. I mean, the whole lyrics of the song is about, no, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you with with your problem here, but I'm going to get something in return. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really, um, yeah, giving the illusion that she's going to help, but but she's not. And I find the music. I mean, looking at the actual underlying vibe of it it's mm. yeah it's quite sort of vaudeville almost uh, cabaret style yeah. with the um cha cha um cha so That's already great. it's light and boppy mm. um, and the melody is just this sort of sinewy thing I like to mm. probably think of it as her tentacles it sort of snakes around this this one note so it's very appropriate um, and yeah the way she delivers it it's not really Evil, evil. It's it's sort of scheming, sinister. Mm. But there's a, there's an alluring nature to it as yeah. well. It's yeah. like sort of luring you in, um, which is why I think the cabaret thing works. Sure. Because if you think about the the idea of cabaret just as an art form, it's mm. often you know only well one or two people on stage. Mm. Um, they're inviting the audience in with stories. You know, mm. it's got that sort of idea or burlesque, well, which are similar yeah. sort of idea. Well, often darker stories as yeah. well. I mean, think of I mean probably the most famous cabarets is the Thrupney opera um, which is you know about a serial killer and that's where <laughs> mac the knife the song comes from yep um and so yeah like it, it the that sort of perfect pilfering of a, the right genre from, i mean even the musical, musical cabaret you know the mm. opening song yeah welcome and bienvenue. yeah yeah welcome. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah you know it's inviting you in to hear this story yeah yeah but you're sort of like oh this guy might be up to no good yeah there's a cheekiness to it put Definitely. it that way actually because you know, I, I um, as as a young guy, I, I performed cabaret in in uh, oh, the high school, yeah, the actual show, yeah, mm. and it and it remind me a little more of the uh, tune Mine Hair, and I've I've seen a little um little yep. example here. Let's have a listen. Bye, bye, my farewell, my It was a Now it's over And though I used to care I need the open air You're better off without me, mine hair Don't dab your eye, mine hair Sort of gets a bit out of control there. It's Liza Minnelli, of course, um, from the from the movie version of uh, Cabaret. But yeah, it's got those sort of similar ideas, though. It's sort yeah. of the minor key. It's mm. got the the um papa sort of accompaniment in its own way. Why um, does that? Ma- I mean, I was watching Dan there, and as it sped up, <laughs> his smile grew wider and wider. Yeah, yeah it's I mean, that- it's, it's minor. It should be it should be upsetting and sad. <laughs> Why does it make you chuckle? Because I was doing the exact yeah, same yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's it's like there's a knowingness to it. I think you yeah. know it's. It's overplayed for effect. Yep. I mean, like, I, you know, there's a lot of discussion about, well, I mean, cabaret is a genre, you know, the Weimar Republic era of music, which I guess cabaret is a, as a musical is playing into as well, of like a sort of campness to mm. it. Yeah. And I mean, definitely Poor Unfortunate Souls is, is kind of coded as, as camp, I think. And there's been a bit of criticism of the Disney villains of this renaissance era of all being sort of suspiciously coded as camp um (laughs) you know and that's probably fair enough musically though i mean you can see how this this kind of works and it's i mean like the classic definition of camp is like you know susan sontag writes about this idea of camp as being an excess of something Mm. 
and and here you know it's this kind of an excess of villainy an excess of kind of ingratiating emotion yeah yeah, yeah. and 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 because of that excess it kind of becomes funny yeah, yeah. it stops being sincere because yeah. there's too much of it yeah sort of exactly yeah so yeah. that that cabaret idea got stuck in my head mm. earlier this afternoon and mm-hmm. i thought well what would poor unfortunate soul sound like in german brilliant <laughs> let's have a listen Arme Seelen in Not, voll Schmerz, voll Pein. Dieser säh sich lieber schlanker, jeder ist voll Liebe krank, dass ich sie allein, aber nein. Die armen Seelen in Not, ganz krank, wie wahr. Alle kommen voller Hoffnung, dass mein Zauber ihnen hilft und ich helfe, ist doch klar. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that is it, brilliant. It's it's a bad recording, but it's uh, it certainly gives you the idea. Well, I mean, uh, those trilled R's. Yeah. I mean, it just like it make it makes sense in the genre. It sounds like it was written for that yeah. rather than in yeah, English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like they had to translate it from the German. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Anyway, anyway, I've, I mean, I've, I've hijacked this for too yeah. long, Nick. You also yeah. wonder how how much the key plays into it. Um, I mean, look, let's for example, if I played the poor unfortunate souls in a major key would it have the same kind of sense of I don't know menace or or slitheringness I mean, it, it sort of does have that same element, but yeah. it's yeah, it's, it's more like a it, carnival conductor. Saying, yeah. come, come, more like come to the circus. S- it does it sound does. more like circus music, doesn't it? <laughs> Especially yeah. that chromaticism in the melody. But yeah, yeah, that main melody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do it a little lower. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There oh. you go. <laughs> ah. See, they, yeah. Disney was doing cinematic universes <laughs> decades wow. before Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, Aladdin maybe, meets uh, Little well, Mermaid. Maybe maybe Ursula is a genie. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Maybe like she went from purple to blue. Yeah. Because yeah. she's kind of purple. Oh, no, is she, or is she blue? Is she purple? No, she's sort of purple. purple. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a shade yeah. away. Yeah. Well, it's just what blue <laughs> looks like underwater. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, because the red... Um, the red uh, spectrum yeah. doesn't travel well underwater. Uh, uh-huh. I, I all my, um, when I went it. scuba diving yeah. once, all my photos <laughs> had a different tinge to them. Yeah, yeah okay. Than they did above ground. So yeah. maybe that's it. Maybe yeah. anyway. above water, Ursula is the genie. <laughs> <from> that's <laughs> another case solved by Art of the Score. <laughs> uh, but look, let's um, let's actually take this this main theme of hers. Okay, back and to minor. Hara, yep. Hara, have a listen how it kind of works in the score. Um, when she, I mean, we often hear it in that really kind of sinister scheming way, but actually when she takes Ariel's voice sort of halfway through the film, it's presented as quite a triumphant kind of moment for her. And we get, you know, heralding instruments like French horns performing it.
And it goes into those little fragments of Ariel's theme. Yeah, da, da, da. yeah just as she splashes out yeah. the water. Mm. I mean, it's I guess it's, again, showing that duality. You know, she's her voice has been taken. She's got legs, so it's playing the triumphant um, mm. aspect of her little win there. Yeah. Um, little do we all know that, well, I guess the audience knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she's just actually lost her voice yeah. <laughs> at the same time. Uh, and, you know, Ursula's theme, I mean, it can never resolve in the same way. That da 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 da. It's like that's an anxious end to sit on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's never going to yep. give it's not you trying that trying to lead somewhere. Yeah. 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 Mm. I mean, look, speaking of that, the only time we kind of do get it resolving is actually at the very end of the film when yeah. Ursula meets her doom. And if you listen to the very lower parts of the orchestra, the the trombones and the tubers and the basses and stuff, um, it, boom, 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 boom. Eventually, boom, 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 boom. It really kind yeah, of it okay. has that f- moment of finality to it. Seriously, who stabs anyone with a boat? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Think about that. Yeah, Name yeah. a villain in the history of, of literature and cinema oh. that gets stabbed with something that is as big as or bigger than a boat. Um, I'm trying to think of any other protagonists of Titanic. Do they get skewered by the boat <laughs> as it's sort of sinking? Or? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. it's an incredible way no, to die. What, what a good question. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. be stewing on that one for a while. Yeah, yeah. I like mm. it. So yeah. look, yeah, that's 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 I guess the end of Ursula, and it's pretty mm. final, isn't it? Boom, yeah. boom, 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 boom. Yeah. The other thing that I'd say, and this is the original score that we're listening to. So I was reading that apparently, um, because this was the kind of revival era, they didn't have bucket loads of cash to throw at the score, and you can kind of hear that's quite a small orchestra that's playing that cue. Yeah, yeah. it's not big. Yeah, yeah. if that mm. was recorded today, you would have, you know. Four trombones. Yeah. We're we're about to find out for the the live action remake, I guess. Yeah, I suppose yeah. so. I, I well, I mean, and don't forget, we did this recently with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. Yeah, yeah. we did. It sounded mm. huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm. really, really, yeah, fantastic score live. Mm. Now we can't talk about musicals without me wanting to dive into the lyrics a Excellent. little bit. Um, I'm only going to p- point out ones when they really sort of tickle my fancy. So we're not going to go through everything. But on this particular uh, poor unfortunate souls, there's this. Um, I don't know, what do you call it? Like the bridge or something? It's it's where she's actually casting the spell on Ariel. And you get that beluga, saruga, come winds of the Caspian Sea. Oh, yeah. Larynxes, uh, glostitis, et max laryngitis, et voce to me. Yeah. And, uh, Almost like a little coda. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. A, yeah, like a spell casting bit. But yeah. I think these um, uh, these lyrics are really cool. So you've got Beluga Saruga, Sev- Sevruga, come winds of the Caspian Sea. Now Beluga and Sevruga are, are types of um, well sturgeon, yeah, sturgeon. Mm. sturgeon, yeah, where you get caviar from. Yeah. So and and actually both are found in abundance, uh, relative abundance in the Caspian Sea. So that actually sort of works, but. I was trying to think, why on earth do they did um, Howard Ashman choose sort of two types of sturgeon? And I guess 
the female sturgeons are harvested for their eggs or for their caviar. Mm-hmm. Um, is this sort of like an, a reference to Ariel's being what? harvested harvested her voice? Her voice? Yeah. Maybe. maybe. Wow. Oh, anyway. Yeah, I like it. Mm. Um, and mm-hmm. then you've got like some it. really cool sort of just words, I guess, that mm. larynxes, of course, being your larynx, your voice box. Um, glostitis, which what's, actually... What's glostitis? It's, it's a, um inflammation of the tongue, okay. which I guess when you're thinking about singing can sort of be a thing. Yeah. Um, and then et max laryngitis. <laughs> so laryngitis <laughs> sure. being yeah. losing your voice. Yeah. Um, la voce to me. So um, A bit of Italian. Yeah, a bit of Italian yeah. in there for voice. Um, well, so, Latin, I suppose. Well, as well. Latin voce. as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's sort of like, it, what clever, it's clever nice. lyrics yeah. um, that... Because it really does run past really quickly. It really does. Yeah. The way that she sings, it just sounds like some... Um, Gobbledygook. Yeah, yeah, just some some uh, magic words uh, that she yeah. sings. And yeah. yeah, but it has all this meaning through it. It's really mm. cool. Mm. It is. The little touches. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, Flotsam and Jetsam, her oh. eels. Yeah, I yeah. guess her henchmen, aren't they, really? They are the yeah. henchmen. The two little... Um, Moray eels. Moray yeah. eels, yeah. Because mm. uh, there's kind of like a B part to Ursula's melody, which I think is actually more applied to her eels. And it's this kind of uh, really kind of sneaky, scheming style stuff. And she it always appears when she's talking to them about her plan. Mm. Um, and it's, yeah, it's like a more kind of creepy, playful version I guess, yeah, take on her melody. But it's it's a slightly different tune. And it's that really do 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 dum bum 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 bum. And look, I mean, think about it. There's two eels. It's all in thirds. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's two two part harmony right? Two bars. Yeah, it's, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like a, a a line for each of them. Yeah. yeah. To the henchmen. Uh, very simple, but you can really feel that hands fingers yeah. together kind of yeah, scheming. Yeah. It's shades of Aladdin as well. Uh, that that kind of. Well, there's sound. a snake charmer vibe yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, isn't yeah, there? Especially sure. like with the core anglais and yeah. the uh, bass clarinet. It's yeah. very mm. sinewy, very, very kind of plotting. I mean, they. I've always said moray eels are the snakes of the ocean, Dan. Yeah, they're real eel doers. Yeah, yeah. I and, love. Uh, <laughs> Can we just pause for that, Nick? You're about to go on. Allow the allow the <laughs> listeners to laugh at that amazing uh, pun. Incredible. I feel and if then, I just went on, <laughs> nobody pe- would notice. No, nobody would notice or care. Yeah. And why should they? Really, <laughs> no one. They they wouldn't Not have time it. to lunge for the unsubscribe button. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to play a bit more eel music.
This is where I think Flotsam and Jetsam are intrinsically linked to Ursula at mm. all times. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the, the elements of her melody being that boom, bop, bop, boom, bop, bop, which really feels heavy, which, I, you know, mm. works for Ursula. And then that... Once again, you only actually have to play that... Yeah, that's all you... I mean, you only have to do that that little... And now they're sort of linked and it has that sort of Ursula backing to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're the, yeah, it's all the elements. And they're never apart. Like the yeah. it's like the the both melodies sort of intertwine, which is I mean, we sort of we, we didn't really have a debate, but we sort of questioned is this ultimately just Ursula's melody A and B or is it Ursula and Flotsam and Jetsam? Mm. I, I reckon it's the, the latter because that that melody never appears in her song. Yeah. Right? Yeah, right. So it's more sort of a, a side little henchman yeah, yeah, motif. Yeah. yeah, but it's really nice. Mm. It's, it's you just... know, I would also buy that as like a secondary motif from Harry Potter or something like that, one of the first two films. I could yeah. imagine that being played in like Diagon Alley or something like that or for a Malfoy or something. It's just yep. that's got that sort of magical nastiness to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. There you go. From eels to Eric. <laughs> From a snake to a prince. Yep. Got it. Eric, of course, is a love interest, and he gets a, a little theme. It's very... But he doesn't get a song. Nick. He doesn't get a song. Mm, he no. never sings. No. Um, he's too handsome to sing, yeah. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> but his theme is actually quite... It's quite English. Mm. Um, and actually, we hear it quite early in the piece when he's on the scene um, in a cue called She's Got Legs. But it's this... Um, little idea which you'll hear come in. Doesn't end so well, does it? No, <laughs> but you get the first little um, hint of it. Yeah, hint yeah. of it. Yeah. And that's when Flounder is basically saying, "Quick, you got to find the prince and kiss him before she turns." So as soon as he mentions prince, you <laughs> get that. <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. even though we haven't seen seen him yet, mm. um, or at least in this particular scene, yeah, we get the, the the idea there. But later on, when Ariel gets taken to Eric's kingdom. Um, he gives you a tour on the horse and carriage through the kingdom and we actually get a much fuller presentation of his melody um, and have a listen to some unique instrumentation that appears towards the latter half of this cue. It is unmistakable. Was it um, the reference to Antiques Roadshow? Yes. What specifically are you talking about? Um, so we had, a, we, we had a very high trumpet back there. Mm. The, uh, from the Baroque period, the piccolo trumpet. Piccolo trumpet, yeah. The yeah. trumpet that went in the wash. Yeah, came out smaller. Came out much smaller. Yeah, but yeah, it's a, it's a, physically, it's a smaller looking trumpet, mm. and really hard to play. Is um, that because you have to kind of 
push the same amount of air through a smaller pipe. Yeah, I mean, anything with a a brass instrument where it's a smaller pipe, it's much harder to sort of... Which is why French horn players have such a hard time because the pipes are actually really Mm. quite thin um, and small. And uh, this is sort of the same deal. And um, yeah, so you often see trumpeters sort of struggling on a a Baroque (laughs) trumpet. Uh, Yeah, anyway, you get that, that idea at the end there. If we think about the Baroque period... Um, and I do often then, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then, uh, you know, we're, we're really sort of harkening back to a very old style classical, mm. you know, idea. And it's, um, once again, painting a picture with instruments to yep. sort of show us that, yeah, hey, this guy's rich. He's a, you know, he's from an old world. Uh, and yeah, it sort of perfectly shows that because if you didn't have that trumpet in there, it, it still feels yeah. old and, and, and nice. And nice. But that comes in and all of a sudden it's regal as yeah. soon as that trumpet comes in. And also it's such an unmistakable sound and you just don't hear it in anything yeah. contemporary. Like no no one seems to write for it. Um, I'll tell you a funny story and I won't name the orchestra, but I did a, <laughs> I did a James Bond concert mm-hmm. and, you know, the screaming yep. high famous mm. trumpet part, mm. the lead trumpeter either chickened out or wasn't quite up to the task. So he pulled out the piccolo trumpet. Uh-huh. And, it, and of course, you got the big, you know, you know, whole whole band and rock orchestra going. And then the top line goes, boop, boop, <laughs> on the piccolo trumpet. Uh, it was completely the wrong sound. I, just, wow. I looked up and just shook my head. And thought, okay, yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah. Bark Two, turned up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but it's just, it really takes you back to the, the 16 and 1700s. Mm. Yeah. Um, and even harmonically, it makes such a regal type sound. I mean, just harmonically. Really, you know, it reminds me of almost like an English hymn. Or, yeah, it does feel like something. a hymn, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 just with that really simple descending harmony. Mm. Um, yeah, it's very, very appropriate for for, for the character mm. and for the mm. prince. Um, and we get a couple of different, you know, Dan. We talked about music, musical codings and stuff earlier. Mm. Uh, when there's a wedding announcement, we mm. get Eric's theme played on the most wedding of all instruments, mm. uh, the pipe organ. Uh, you know, many people get married in a church. Uh, often there's an there's an organ lying at the back of the church, and then it kind of really it, it, I guess shrinks down to almost like a string quartet size, which again very another a popular ensemble group at weddings. Um, so we'll hear these kind of two elements really play back to back at opposite ends of the sonic spectrum. <laughs> finish with that little fragment of Ariel's mm. melody again at the and end. Isn't it interesting how, like, I wouldn't really classify the first three quarters of that cue as feeling particularly romantic. Mm. Oh, no. Um, it's just it's, stating it. Yeah, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's a stateliness to it. And as soon as you go into Ariel's music, all of a sudden, more feeling and emotion comes in. Mm. And it's really interesting how he's he's done that with the music. He hasn't given Eric a, you know, 
it's not really an emotional theme at all. No, it's it's very kind of surface level, functional. It's kind of it's, it's presentational. It's presentational. Yeah. It's yeah. stating his he's a prince. That's yeah. it. It's not really talking about his feelings mm. or anything. Mm. I mean, this um, this would have to be the most two dimensional. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you call it, the love interest or what I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but out of almost all the Disney films, I mean, okay, from this moment yeah. onwards, yeah. Um, I think it's even more two dimensional if you go back to Cinderella and so on. But um, with mm. that Prince Charming, but this this is this is like he's just got one yeah. thing yeah. to do, yeah. and he just does it, and that's <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The most interesting thing about him is his name. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, I, I I think the theme works really well, and here's Alan mm. Menken using instrumentation, using yeah. choices of instruments yeah. to present this musical material, and then suddenly take us to different worlds and emotions and and ideas just through changing instruments. And I, you don't hear that a lot with no. a lot of composers. No, certainly mm. not. Certainly not. And it's not you know not a given. I don't think. No. E- even in animation, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I mean the the little string quartet moment in that cue as well. Like it's just filled with emotion when you get that. You know when you can hear the individual violin player. They're mm. sobbing the vibrato in, <laughs> into their into yeah. their instrument. And mm. I mean that as well is another moment where it kind of uh, it sounds like old Disney to me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but yeah, again, yeah. we're not seeing Eric there, even yeah. though it is playing his theme towards the end there. It's actually, we're focused on Ariel. Yeah, it's Ariel the whole time, isn't it? Like the, yeah. the wedding barge has left. Sailed. Uh, it's set sail. The ship has sailed. And, you know, we, we actually just watch Ariel the entire time. And, and this is the that great use of, of character themes or leitmotifs mm. um, where... You know, we can tell what Ariel is thinking. Mm. You know, she's thinking, oh, God, they're going to get married. And so that's when you get the the church thing. Oh, God, that's going to be this reception or whatever. And we get a quartet. And the whole time we're looking at her, she's really sad. Mm. And it's almost like this is what is going through her head at this exact moment, of course. And then it finishes off the phrase with, you know, a very sad, despondent, you know, Mm. fragment of her melody. So So it's thinking of Eric. It is the thinking of Eric (laughs) theme. Yeah. Well, we, from one you did it, Dan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from one bit of royalty to another, let's go on to King Triton. Yeah. Because he gets a little bit of motivic stuff, which is sort of in a similar vein to Eric. Mm. Um, there's a few more emotional performances of it, but it actually it's presented right in the start of the film as a fanfare. It's almost like King Triton's fanfare. <laughs> All rise for the king. Yeah. It's totally that kind of music. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And it actually has. I mean, I talked about Eric's theme. Um, listen to the, the descending bass line. I mean, look at King Triton's one. It's almost exactly the same. It just goes down a little further. It's the same composer. <gasps> Nick, are you saying that King Triton goes down a little bit further under the sea? (laughs) Yes. Impressive. That's perfect. Impressive. But look, I was trying to think, why does this sound so regal or sort of king-like in Coronation? And it's, again, I think it's a musical coding thing. Think back Mm. to Edward Elgar and all his Mm. pomp and circumstance marches. (laughs) 
It's, mm. again, it's that same kind of descending, descending, descending line. line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even without the harmony, if you just play that main melody, I totally buy that as a like Wagner riff. Yeah. yeah, if you play that on solo horn and like a guy in tights walks out on stage, yeah, <laughs> that yeah, that's Wagner, right? Uh, so <laughs> the, the horn player walks out in tights. Yeah, like, yeah well, <laughs> both. Sure, why not? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah no, t- totally true. It's mm. it's very simple English king royalty kind of presentation. I do like that we have two royalty, like two mm. um, uh, pieces of music depicting royalty, but they do feel different. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like you said, it's it's there is a little more emotion in King Triton yeah. because ultimately he's a more nuanced character in a way. Yeah. Mm. And he's a bit more, yes, he's kind of playing on one hand the sort of, I'm the king, you know, you mm. will not do that. But he he also cares for his daughter and mm. there are moments where he's he's a bit a bit of a softy. Yeah. And um, when he's worried about his daughter and this is a this is an exact example of that. Oh, absolutely. It almost does land of hope and glory at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're spot on with Elgar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we do get a little tiny minor performance of it. And by minor, I mean a minor key. Um, have a listen if you can hear it here in the French horns. It's that boom, 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 Right here. It's almost like a, a hunting call. Boom, 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 mm. boom, 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 boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Mm. Um, but what's, I mean, very, very funny in this film is uh, right in the start, we actually get a performance of King Triton's fanfare on kazoos. <laughs> nice. That, the that, choice um, of the underground, oh, sorry, yeah. underground, underwater mm. um, fish orchestra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fish orchestra, yeah. <laughs> so have a listen here. This is uh, King Triton's fanfare performed on kazoos. <laughs> so silly, isn't beautiful. it? Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love yeah, it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, really there is, once again, that idea of the uh, source music, of the diegetic music coming in and out of the the world, mm. you know, because there are lots of examples where totally everyone can hear this fanfare. Yeah. And then obviously there are lots of examples where no one's hearing it, you know, where it's underscoring a, a, a tender moment between Triton and Ariel or mm. whatever else. And yeah, so it's sort of an interesting score for that reason that yeah. this music's just bouncing back and forth between the the, the world of the film and, and just what the audience can hear. Maybe there is no di- non-diegetic music in this film. Well, this is what okay. Mm. I I wondered whether we could make a you know a smart comment like that, Dan. But <laughs> I think there are there are too many examples um, where where you know there's no orchestra around, yeah, Dan. Sure. And we're still hearing music. Sure. But whatever the, whatever the orchestra is, you know, mm. the orchestra in the studio, mm. they are ripping off yeah. the orchestra from within the film. <laughs> What was that? There was that great anecdote um, from Hitchcock where I think it was maybe Miklos Rosa um, challenged him when he was making Lifeboat. 
because uh, <laughs> Lifeboat, the entirety of Lifeboat is set in a lifeboat. And <laughs> Sounds Hitch- like such a Hitchcock idea, doesn't like, it? <laughs> exactly. And uh, Hitchcock said to the composer, I don't want any music because the audience will be wondering where the orchestra is coming from. And uh, Roger, I think it was Roger, replied, well, look, if you tell me where the cameras are coming from, then I'll tell you where the <laughs> orchestra is coming from. <laughs> he walked into that one. That's yeah. 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 <laughs> um, look, I think we're almost done with our characters. The last one left um, actually gets quite a bit of a musical look in, and that is Scuttle. Scuttle hmm. being the... Oh, what kind of bird is he? This is a little like seagull. A seagull. Seagull. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Is he a seagull? No, it's just. He's a, a looks very big for a seagull. No, Australia's thing. got small, aggressive seagulls. Oh, okay. Yeah. The rest of the world has quite normal, he has, docile he ones. He has cocky yeah. style hair. He's got yeah. like cool hair. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. S- uh, Scuttle the Seagull gets uh, a little cool motif that often plays on clarinets, but it really is the nice, light comic relief of the film. Before we go on with that, Nick, I, I need to ask a question because I need to know if I'm the only one mm. here. Mm-hmm. Scuttle. Okay. Now, I just... Nick Nick and I just watched this film 4,000 times with mm. the MSO a mm-hmm. couple of weeks ago. Now, before I looked down at my notes, I couldn't have told you his name. Yeah. Now, I can tell you the name of almost every other character within the whole film. And then, interestingly, before we, we performed it with the, with the orchestra... I couldn't remember him at all. Like, if you had shown me the character, I'd be like, I don't know what film he's mm. from. Now, you could maybe say, well, maybe he has a really minor part mm. in it. But he's got, like, heaps of stuff in there. Yeah. Like, all of some, the, the funniest lines are from mm. him. Yeah. There's whole sections where he's talking to everybody. I can tell you Flounder all day long, and I reckon Flounder has about two words yeah. that Flounder says. And what is it? I reckon Scuttle's got some kind of men in black thing going on. Because, <laughs> like, the theme is really good. Yeah. And it comes up lots. He has lots to say. It's really funny. Um, but you're not buying the 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 scuttle, you know, doll from Disneyland no. in the merchandise shop. You never see it. Yeah. What is it about this character that is so forgettable, Daniel? <sighs> well, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's partly merchandising. I think that's why you remember Flander at least, really, because yeah. Flander is. In I remember Flander as a kid. Promotion. Yes, yeah, so right. Yeah. He doesn't have a huge part in the but film. But Scuttle though. is no. infinitely better than Flander. Well, I mean, it's Don't also. Don't at me, folks. But, <laughs> but I mean, it's also because Flander has to necessarily stay in the water in the on-land sequences, whereas Scuttle can fly around and be a nuisance, I suppose. Sure. Yeah. But but he's like quite a major character. Yeah, like he turn up. He turns up lots. I would even argue that he has just as much going on in terms of screen time and and things that he does. Yeah. as Sebastian. Yeah, he he's like almost like the because Sebastian is always kind of like no Ariel, don't do that. Yeah, um, but he's got more going like on. The matchmaker almost. Yeah, you know, he sings yeah. that little Tchaikovsky bit when they're <laughs> trying to make out in the boat. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> or they're not making out. Well, yeah, yeah not yeah. quite. <laughs> but the, the, the little melodies again, it's so simple that mm. it's very identifiable. You know, and I, I actually can't help but hear. 
Um, I know it's different characters, but a little bit of West Side Story. Uh, tell me if this reminds you of Scuttle's theme a little bit. I mean, yeah. look, maybe it's just the harmony in the same. But it's, that kind of that harmony with the major. Because mm. I've made a I feel pretty reference. Mm. <laughs> Are we going to discover that our we've got John Williams on the movies? Yeah, yeah. And we've got Bernstein on the musicals, yeah, and that's everything's going to be either Bernstein or Williams. Yeah. You found out where our tastes lie, folks. We'll it's, make a John Williams uh, reference in this episode. Yeah, don't you worry. <laughs> no, but look, I, I yeah, I, I all I get from that mostly. I mean, I think you're right, Nick. But mostly, I get from that is that I love West Side Story dearly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. Um, but look, I'll, I'll play another a version where it's a bit faster and it's it's kind of passed around the orchestra in, in a few different presentations, which is yeah, just interesting. The messiest pizzicato ever <laughs> recorded for film. <laughs> pizzicato, oh, of course, oh being the plucking of the strings yep. on the on the on the string instruments. Mm. Every time I've done this one live in concert, mm. the string players have a spack attack, and they're like, "We're gonna do this with our bow," and they play it arco. Oh, oh, do they? Really? Cop out. Yep. Did the did okay? You're talking out of school now, but did the MSO do that? Yeah, we did. Unbelievable. Yeah, no. Okay, we'll have a meeting on Monday. It's too fast. It's just hard Explain to explain what together. arco is. So arco is where you play the string with the bow. Yeah. So it has the more you know the traditional violin yeah. or, or string sound, and pizzicatoing mm. is um, plucking it with your plucking finger. finger. Yeah, yeah. So, and when it's very fast, it's just hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> you just get a pits patch on the synth keyboard at the back and <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> anyway. well, look, let's um let's go slightly further into the film and actually scuttle's motif ba -ba -da -boom, actually kind of becomes a bit of a a battle a battle cry in, mm. in later on when basically they're having this big argy bargy um, trying to break up the wedding on the sail barge, <laughs> on the wedding barge. <laughs> on the argy bargy on the barge. Yeah. 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 And um, so you actually get almost like a minor key performance of Scuttle's theme uh, that just gets a bit transformed in, into sort of battle mode. It's really, really interesting. Thank you. 
<laughs> so it's this kind of, you know, rather than quite a happy version. Mm. <laughs> yeah, almost this, yeah, like, like a little kind of minor key fluttering scuttles yeah. angry. I never noticed pissed. that before. That's yeah, so it's cool. Great. I yeah. really like that. And also just, you know, to say yet again, I mean, how the orchestration makes all the difference is that it's not quite serious and that's because the trumpets are muted. So they're yeah. kind of messy and silly <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and a little bit all over the place and a little bit self-serious. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and yeah. that's such a great example also of, you know, you said before, we haven't done an animation before. Mm. Quite often I find in animation the the action writing, the battle mm. music um, has a different quality to it. It's really, I mean, it's, it's this term Mickey Mousing, which mm. we, uh, well, how would you explain Mickey Mousing, Andrew? Mickey Mousing. So uh, Dan will be able to maybe give us a little bit better history, but it's the idea where music is written um, so that it syncs up almost frame by frame. So it, it underscores the action so perfectly that it almost becomes uh, like sound effects. For yeah. for the um uh for the animation on the screen, but Dan the 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 I guess historical the, the historical to- context of Mickey Mouse. And obviously, it's a Disney film. Mickey Mouse yeah. being from Disney, but you know, no, absolutely, it's 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 you know when the music matches particularly movement mm. on screen um to to it to as precise as possible, yeah. almost frame by frame, often frame by frame, uh, you know, as, as, as closely as possible. And it obviously does come from animation because that's the easiest medium to achieve a kind of frame by frame synchronization. And was this because the, the back when um, Disney, he pioneered the idea of synchronized mm. sound with animation because yeah. that was sort of quite unheard of. Mm. And then he was also a great lover of music as well, which is why yeah. you have Fantasia and all of those sort of silly symphonies. Yeah, Melly, and from Merry, Mel- Merry Melodies? Oh, no, yeah. that's... I think it's Silly Symphonies. Silly Symphonies, yeah. silly right. symphonies. Sorry, yeah. And uh, yeah, and he um, uh, used music to tell that story. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you know, don't need dialogue, don't need sound effects. Yeah. The music actually is is doing everything. It's doing everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, it's it's often really heightened as well. You know, like it's uh, sort of obviously you know uh, creeping or obviously someone's been hit in the face yeah. with a pie yeah. and you can tell like uh, even within that that um, example we listen to this is where all of the birds are flying through yeah. and they're crashing into people yeah. you can absolutely tell where that is yeah. you know you can hear it and yeah. see it I mean you can you can so easily do, like Nick play someone walking up the stairs creeping and now they've fallen down <laughs> exactly right like it's just you know these basic <laughs> we could do a whole episode like that yeah, That'd be great, yeah, yeah. Actually. but I mean it does it does come from Mickey Mouse himself yeah. it comes from Steamboat Willie Dan mm-hmm. who's walked in the door <laughs> uh, a definite villain definite very, very villain. good yeah uh, <laughs> you almost had him Nick oh, you almost had him <laughs> no it's not the princess Dan oh, okay um, yeah yeah. Uh, but yeah, Steamboat Willie being the first uh, Mickey Mouse, well, you know, um, synchronized sound mm. animation. Yeah. And that actually had music from Carl Stalling. Oh, the godfather of animation music, you yeah. might say. Who, no, who yeah. you know, of course, went on to do all those, um, yeah, uh, Looney Tunes. Yeah. Great, great animated, you know, music. I mean, that's where, where, you know, the idea of Mickey Mousing has really been yeah. perfected is in those Looney Tunes yeah. on the Warner Brothers end of town. Yeah. Um, 
Which is sort of funny that we call it Mickey Mousing when mm. really I, I associate it mostly <laughs> with, with yeah, Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers yeah. um, to be honest. But, but yeah. you know, I mean, even before we got to that point, you know, in the 40s, um, 30s, but mostly 40s, it was used as, as kind of an insult to some composers too, especially people like Max Steiner as kind mm. of, you know, overly illustrative composing, you know, like think of Casablanca when the French turn up, it's and you know, like Steiner does that. Th- mm. as his primary way of making music for for movies so you know it, it and especially yeah. in the the genre a very loose genre of drama yeah. especially in like in 2019 now god if you if you're scoring a drama film and you're yeah. matching yeah and you're telling people what no- to think and yeah, yeah i mean yeah. it's it's just no go anymore mm. no mm. Um, do you do you think it's really it's only the realm of animation and fantasy? You know, Star Wars can get away with it. Yeah. Animation can definitely get away with it. Yeah. But anything dramatic and serious, no. Nah. Do you think mm. it's still a derogatory term to say that you've Mickey Moused this part of the film? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very. Yeah. I think yes. Yeah. I th- I think probably yes. Mm. I think that a lot has changed with the kind of uh, shall we say cultural capital of of film making mm. of, of film music in that you know. Uh, the whole, like all of film music up until relatively recently has been seen as kind of gauche and, you mm. know, low taste and low brow. And I think, you know, I think that's changing. And along with it, you know, I think maybe people are more more willing to be open-minded about these techniques which may have otherwise been cast aside. So yeah, yeah. I think there can be an appreciation. But look, I remember studying film scoring at, oh, yeah. at uni and like no lecturer would say, oh, great Mickey Mousing, Nick. Yeah. I'd yeah, be like, yeah. I'd be like oh, it's yeah. a bit Mickey Mousey. Yeah. You know, they'd say it like that. But it's <laughs> so hard to do. Yeah. It's not yeah, like no, you've, you've no. gone, um, oh, I'm, I'm just going to sort of, you know, slack off here and, and, and do some Mickey Mousing. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. the complexity of yeah. this style of composition well, is I think if unbelievably it's called difficult. for, yeah. sure, it's yeah. probably appropriate. Well, I mean, you know, think of it like the whole of E.T. You can listen to the last 15 minutes and... The whole thing is Mickey Mouse. You know, when those bicycles do those little leaps when they're riding down the hill, you hear... Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, that. but I mean, maybe John Williams can get away with it because he's John Williams. Dan, you mentioned before the walking up the stairs or the walking music. There's a bit in this score where little Sebastian walks up to King Triton and you can sort of hear the interplay between them emotionally, but specifically the footsteps of him, of his little tiny crab legs walking up. I mean, think about those elements. You've got the the walking up to the King Triton's throne. You know, bop, 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 bop. You get there and it's like, pling, because that's when he goes, yes. You know, mm. does that really funny, yeah, you yeah. know, uh, choked voice, choked yeah. voice thing. And then you get a little performance of Triton's theme as yep. he's sort of talking very seriously to Sebastian. And then you get Sebastian ask a question where he goes, bop, 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 where he asks him a question and he doesn't get a good response. Bop, 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 what about this? And then you go, you know, like it's, just <laughs> all of the elements of yeah. sort of musical storytelling and leitmotif and, and Mickey Mousey and it goes on and on and on, all on display within the, you know, a 10 second little excerpt yeah. there. It's, it's quite phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. 
Look, probably the, one of the best examples like, is early in the film when we have this big shark attack when Ariel and Flounder are looking through the shipwreck and a big shark comes along. It's really, it's very dramatic, but you can really feel where the shark is, you know, chomping, where he's bursting through, you know, bits of wood in the hull of the ship um, and, and where Flounder sort of gets knocked out, where he hits himself in the head. Uh, it's very, very musical storytelling at its best. Did you hear, especially at the end, there's a where Flounder sticks his tongue out and the trombones go, nee, 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 nee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ariel seemed, da, 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 yeah, as they away. Yeah, yeah. So clever, yeah. man. I, yeah. yeah, you can hear all those little narrative chunks as well, you know? Boom, like, boom, it's like, boom, 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 yeah. Exactly. Clarinets, yeah. Know, light, light fish. And like, here's three beats of danger. Yeah. And, and then the next three beats are suspense and tension and, you know, like just these tiny, tiny little segments. I mean, and, and the way that then the triplets come over the top, the da na 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 like to change up the rhythm and almost the tempo of yeah. that piece. I mean, yeah. I imagine as a composer, maybe Nick, you can talk to this, um, picking the tempo is probably the hardest thing about writing something like that. Yeah. But look at that sequence. It is, it's the one tempo, but the time changes. It goes from uh, 4 4, 3 4, 3 2. Mm. So instead of, you know, you get 1 2 3 4, 1 2 3, and then you get 1 and 2 and 3, and like a, a broader yeah. 3 huh. on the back of like a, a shorter 3. So 1 2 3 1 2 three which yeah. again it feels like it's always halved and got broader and fatter and maybe that's you know the shark yeah. coming in yeah right. um, but it's always propelling forward isn't it like there's in the, in that example at least it's that forward momentum mm. is you know yes there is pushing and pulling and, mm. and bits where it slows down and and then all of a sudden there's a big crack and it and it and we're off at the races again and yeah. you know so i mean i don't need to see the film there's actually, no. actually the perfect uh, medium to discuss mickey mouse in his podcasting mm. radio is <laughs> yeah. um because in some ways the the film it's like yeah well, yeah, well we don't need to see the picture we can mm. already hear what's happening mm. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a nice one from sharks to chefs <laughs> I love your segues on this episode. Nick. That's how it's, how it's, it's done. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I always forget there's a chef in this film. Yeah, he's he's the scuttle of the human world. <laughs> yeah, you sort of forget about <laughs> it, but he, he has a bit of a moment. Yeah. And um, he gets a song called Le Poisson. Yep. The fish. The, the fish. fish. The, yeah. the fishes. Yeah. The fish. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And it's look. Let, let's have a listen to it because mm. there are a few things we can we can say about this character and this theme. Les 
Poissons, les poissons, how I love les poissons, love to chop and to serve little fish. First I cut off their heads and I pull out their bones. Ah mais oui, ça c'est toujours délicieux. Les poissons, les poissons, hi hi hi, ha ha ha. Music lover, I hack them in two. I pull out what's inside and I serve it up fried. God, I love little fishes, don't you? <laughs> Uh, can I jump in there and say, well, just I'll expand our Art of the Score Transmedia universe a little bit more. And as, okay. a, re- as a reference back to our Star Trek episode. Yes. Uh, I don't suppose we know who plays the chef? Oh, no. Well, I'm not quite sure how to say his surname, but I think it's René Aubergenois, okay. who is Odo in Deep Space Nine. Odo! Yeah, so the character you just heard singing is, wow. is, is Odo from Deep Space wow. Nine. Wow! Yeah. Such a different... I didn't. I don't think of Odo as like a comedic actor. <laughs> yeah. Wow. No, it's, it's it's impressive. Well, you know, in the same way as like... Uh, do you think the chef's funny, do you, Andrew? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know what I wondered with this is mm. that with the, the French, tra- French translation, mm. you know, for when it was played in Paris, mm. The Little Mermaid... Mm. Uh, uh, Le Petit me- Anyway um, <laughs> yeah. That uh, You know When they go um, You know ho, 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 yeah. Does it You know Have in brackets um, French laughing Or like How uh, yeah. how do they deal with this No I, Look This is <laughs> I don't have an answer to that But this is something That's very Very interesting For you remember in, This is a total Sidetrack But in Toy Story 3 How Buzz gets set to Spanish Oh yeah 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 <laughs> So the translation of that Is different Depending on where you're watching it in the Spanish-speaking world. Right. So if you're watching it okay. in South America, it's <laughs> yep. like a European Spanish accent. Oh. If you're watching it in Spain, it's like yep. an Andalusian accent <laughs> because that's where the flamenco comes from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, really interesting. So I wouldn't mind betting there's some kind of specificity going on there yeah, as well. Maybe yeah, it's like yeah. a specific French accent. But yeah. I, I, it gets me wondering about, because, I mean, this, first of all, the harmony, there's something so inherently cliched French about it and I don't know where it's sort of come from it's, it's this sort of a yeah. I mean look that harmony is interesting because it's kind of identical to uh, the next film Be Our Guest Be Our Guest Be Our Guest Put our service to the test Tie your napkin round your neck, sherry, and we provide the rest. Soup du jour, hot hors d'oeuvre, why we only live to serve. Try the grey stuff, it's delicious. Don't believe me? Ask the dishes. They can sing, they can dance. After all, miss, this is France. And a dinner here is never second best. I'm glad you brought that up because, of course, the singer there is Jerry Orbach, yeah. who, similar to this, is mostly known for a very serious role in that he's the long-serving detective in Law and Order, the original. Ah, yeah. Really. yeah. And, of course, we have Lumiere, a French character. Yeah. Mm. They're talking about food. They're talking about food. Yeah, so French cannoli. <laughs> yep. The only type of people who prepare food are French in Menken's <laughs> world. And when he wants to uh, d- play the French music, then he, he does the same harmony. Yep. He brings in the accordion, boom, bada, boom, yeah. hit number. There you go. Do you know that 15 years ago I did the music for a cooking show? Here it was go. set Here in we France. Go. Here yeah. we go. And <laughs> here's what I wrote. Wow.
Incredible. So and look, oh my God. not even a conscious decision. Oh my God. So I'm, I'm I'm wondering if like is there something like older in history yeah. that I mean, am I just being influenced by be our guest? Uh, really? Or is there like a sort of a French? How long ago did you write that? Oh, that's like 2006. Or wow, five or something. And you weren't thinking, oh, I need some inspiration here. No. I'll throw in my favorite Disney cartoon. Yeah. Look, there is inspiration from Marla. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, yep, okay. especially in that Be Our Guest tune. Check it out. Or the loud version. You're, you're so right. I've listened to that symphony. What is that? Two or three? I think it's symphony number three. Three, yeah. I've listened to that yeah. hundreds of times. And as soon as you played that, I was like, oh my God. That's <laughs> I mean, look, yeah. that, that doesn't have the chromatic. Sure. It's more the, the shape of it. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Wow. Is there something to do with Frenchness and cooking? Uh, look, I mean, look, well, we can go further. I, I actually, if I take the French chef bit, right? And I do a bit of digital trickery and put it in oh a different key. <laughs> yeah. Right, let's I've taken out the voice. So we just got the harmony. Check it out. All right. Now I've got another bit of music from the same year. So that's from Batman. No, it's, it's the, the Mario swimming music, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All the Mario swimming <laughs> yeah. music. Yeah. That's from Batman. If I superimpose those two one on top of the other, and I've kind of got a bit one pan left and right, they almost fit together. Okay. Wow. So, so DC sh- have been struggling with their cinematic universe yeah. for years. Yeah, yeah. And Nick has actually already worked it out. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> We've got... Well, I mean, look, but I... Bu- I buy the horror of, of this... Because, ca- you know, Joker is a criminal mastermind. And, totally. And, and this is the great unspoken sheer panic horror at the heart of the little mermaid which is never mentioned on again yeah. which is that sebastian yeah this is this is my my thing Dan. yeah this the 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 actual villain yeah <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna propose this i'm gonna lay it on the listeners mm. the actual villain of the film the little mermaid is mm-hmm. not ursula mm. because she doesn't kill anyone no well she kills her two eels accidentally that's accidentally yeah. but you know that's manslaughter sure yeah that's, that's yeah. squid slaughter yeah <laughs> Um, that <laughs> she'll only get a couple of years for yeah, that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Deal, yeah, okay. Plea deal, Dan. Come on. Yeah. Um, now she did kidnap a few people. Sure. So that's going to get yeah, you some jail yeah. time. Mm. Okay. But at the end of the day, mm. the actual villain of this film mm. is the is the chef. And <laughs> because when Sebastian's in there, okay, you're a crab. All mm. your best friends are fish. You go into a room, <laughs> yeah, where you are seeing not not just some bodies. 
Because that would be bad enough. Like if you go to the room and there's just bodies everywhere. Like sure. that's essentially the plot to every yeah. the worst horror films mm. ever. But then there's a guy in there, not just with the bodies, but pulling out their spines <laughs> and then like stuffing stuff into. Them. If you imagine the and worst horror about and it. singing about, yeah, laughing about like like the the Joker, yeah. and and he's like he's killing not not just here are some things that have you know some bodies yeah. have been killed later. He's killing them in front of him. Yeah. And he keeps on going. The body count on this guy is through the roof. Horrific. The actual villain yes. of the Little chef. Mermaid is yeah. the French chef. Oh, I'm I'm convinced. And he's there going a hundred percent. Have you ever deshelled a clam in the pale <laughs> moonlight? <laughs> 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 and he doesn't stop with fish, Dan. No. He goes to crustaceans. Yep. He does oh, everything. God. Yep. It's an absolute it's horror, horror film. It's a horror film. And and this is why the film doesn't end with Ursula being killed. Yeah. The ah. film ends mm. when the French chef, so she's about to get married and we're like, we're not happy because yeah. the film, we haven't dealt with the villain, guys. Yeah. <laughs> the French chef comes onto the boat for one last. The, yeah, the he mast. gets hit yeah. in the face. All of his teeth fall out. Let's yeah. assume he dies. Mm. <laughs> that, that is the end of the film. Yeah. <laughs> that is the end of the film. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Not not the henchman Ursula earlier on. And yet the underlying problem that every other character, including beloved Eric, presumably has eaten <laughs> well, like, you know, Sebastian and Flounders. This is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, what that, it makes you wonder feast. what they're gonna do for the live action it, to it, make well, all yeah. this work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With all these issues we're raising. Yeah. Menken, if you're listening. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Take, yeah. take this right to the top yeah. of yeah. Disney. We want an answer. Okay. Now oh, that we've uh, blown everyone's mind, mm. um, shall we move on to what I think is the best song? If We're just going to go song. Yeah. The best song in the uh, the whole shebang is Under the Sea. Are you with me? I am. Yeah. Let's hit it. Always greener in somebody else's lake. You dream about going up there, but that is a big mistake. Just look at the world around you, right here on the ocean floor. Such wonderful things around you. What more is you looking for? Under the sea, under the sea. Darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. Up on the shore, they work all day Out in the sun, they slave away While we devoting full time to floating under the sea <laughs> Now, before we let Dan have at this <laughs> I want to go back to the lyrics here uh, really quickly Because I think this is jam-packed With some super clever lyric writing Like, almost... <laughs> You know, the, the sort of lyrics where you read them and go, how are you doing this? How are you getting away with what's what's going on here? It's so good. Um, very specifically, the whole thing's great, but very specifically the bridge. And I'm going to read through this because it's just so good. It goes past so fast and maybe you, you haven't listened to it properly. But the newt play the flute, the carp play the harp, the place play the bass, and they sound in sharp. The bass play the brass. <laughs> I say it with an accent. Sure, yeah. um, the chub play the tub, the tub being, a, I guess, a colloquial term for drums. Uh, the fluke is the Duke of Soul. Yeah. Uh, the ray he can play, the lings on the strings, the trout rocking out, the black fish she sings, the smelt and the sprat, they know where it's at, and oh, that blowfish blow. So good. <laughs> and 
then later on, we've got When the Sardine Begin the Begin. (laughs) It's music to me. What do they got? A lot of sand. This is the greatest line. We got a hot crustacean band. Yeah, Just I love the, that one. <laughs> I yeah. love the like the meter of it. Yeah, you know, like the yeah, the, yeah. the, the te- you know the the way it lines up, and each little clam here know how to jam here. Jam being you know um, just playing with other musicians under the sea. Each little slug here cutting a rug here. Wow, where cutting a rug is like dancing. Mm. Um, it's like all of this like super hip, yeah, uh, like jazz lingo almost. <laughs> yeah. um, under the sea, each little snail here know how the whale here. So once again, another sort of jazz term wailing on your your saxophone or trumpet uh, that's and this is the greatest rhyme in the whole <laughs> movie that's why it's hotter under the water <laughs> that's why it's hotter how did he rhyme hotter I mean, with water you can only rhyme it if you yeah. put on a Jamaican accent that's yeah. why the rhyme is so good yeah, yeah. The rhyme it's perfect is so good. for the characters and yeah unless you sing it with a Jamaican accent you can't yeah. make that rhyme no the lyrics are so good Look, this. maybe with an American accent, hotter, water, they're a bit similar oh, yeah. to in Australia, hotter, water, a bit different. Yeah. Hotter, but water. Hotter, water. But I, I'm, a, I'm a big <laughs> lover of, of imperfect rhymes. Yeah. Like it's one thing to rhyme something perfectly. I think that's clever. It's another thing to do really surprising rhymes where mm. just by saying something intentionally different so that it rhymes with the other yeah. word, yeah. I adore that yeah. all day long. And that's Good. like such a great example of that in this. So, well, firstly, just before I have at this a little bit, I mean, I think, I think that, I mean, I agree. This is such a great song. It's the one that I grew up loving from this film. And it's probably worth reinforcing that along with the I, I want the, song, the I Want song, the yes. The I Want song. Yep. This is the corollary to that. Mm. The kind of mentor shows the person who wants the way, the true way of the world. Yep. Um, the way of the world song, is the it? The way of the world song, yeah. yeah. Like the As in, stop dreaming, this is how the world actually yeah, is. Yeah, like perhaps Hakuna Matata mm. or uh, the Genie song. Well, I always forget why, it's, why do I forget that? It's my favorite song pretty much from all of these <laughs> films. Um, you Never Had a Friend Like Me. Yep. Et cetera, right? Um, which is, you know, they're often the best the best song mm. of the film. Is, is, a, is a, a feature of that song that it's essentially saying this is how the world is but we don't want it to change it's like this is yeah. it and it's not propelling anything forward it's almost yeah. trying to slow the, yeah. the hero down is that definitely. what it's doing definitely or like the bare, bare necessities yeah, yeah. that same function jungle, right yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, where the mentor is actually probably a little bit mistaken yeah right but we don't yet know that yeah okay yeah, yeah. It's, but it's it's like here's my perspective in the world yeah. I think it's right I'm going to yeah. sing about it yeah. yeah and then the dilemma of the film will be what you do with it yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure yeah mm. But look, what genre would you say this song is? Or, or let me rephrase that. What genre do you think this song wants to be seen as? It definitely wants to be... Um, like a reggae... Reggae calypso. Cal- yeah, calypso. Yeah. I mean... Which I'm not sure if they're quite the same thing. No, <laughs> no, no, they're not the same. But those, you can tell that they're trying to very much invoke that... Um, Jamaican island nation yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. For for sure and definitely with Sebastian's accent. Yeah. Um course. that that reinforces that. But I mean, yeah. So Calypso's not from Jamaica. No. It's from Trinidad and Tobago, which is um as far away from Jamaica as Venezuela is. So it's you know, it's not like they're right next door to mm. each other. Um but I look I just I just wonder about what genre this actually is. So I mean just to give you an idea, this is a classic classic uh, calypso tune, just to yep. give you an idea. 
Now, this is rum and Coca-Cola, yep. which was made famous by the Andrews sisters. Mm. Now, that rhythm is not even close to being the same as what we just heard in Under the Sea. There's... Uh, that's the kind of rhythm that yeah. we're hearing there, right? Yeah. Which is just, just different, basically. Yeah, 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 totally. And that's that's the kind of the kind of calypso rhythm. Yep. Um, so, okay, is it maybe more uh, reggae? Possibly. Mm. Let's. Uh, I mean, this is this is perhaps shall we say slightly too early to be strictly reggae. It's perhaps more ska, but they have a very similar beat. So let's I chose this one because it has a, a film reference to it, because I thought that would be the you know, <laughs> when choosing a reggae uh, tune, why not throw that in? So this is the Scatolites, yep. their famous cover of the Guns of Navarone, the oh, you know, incredible, right. ah. uh, incredible. Who who wrote that? Was it Ron, no? Was it Ron Goodwin who wrote the Guns? Of, no, maybe it was. Maybe it was, oh, it was Alex me. North, but maybe I'm wrong. No, I don't think it was Alex North. But um, anyway, great great tune. But um, just listen to that rhythm again. What emphasis of, of the bar is the the? Are we? What's the emphasis? I feel the biggest emphasis on two and four. Do you? Yeah. Well, how that depends what tempo you're talking about. I hear one and two and three and four and one and two, three and four. Well, let me. And sorry, it was Dimitri Tiomkin, of course. Dimitri Tiomkin. But let me let me just play you another one. This is much more reggae than ska. That's easier to hear. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny. I mean, I hear two distinct emphases. Hmm. I feel that there's like a low emphasis on two and four mm-hmm. and then a higher emphasis on every one. So it's like mm-hmm. one and two and three and four. See, and I'm hearing three there, beat three. So one, two, three, four, one, yeah. two, three, four, one, yeah. two, three. Yeah, because you're going double the speed. Yeah, I'm doing double I'm the speed that you're doing. You're two. chilling out too much. Yeah, you are, four. Nick, yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's actually true, yeah. yeah. So, so, Andrew, We're strictly, hearing the same thing. You, yeah, you are. Just, I'm, no. in, I'm, I'm, yeah, you, you, I'm chilled out. I'm yeah, half you, speed. You are, you are. You're just counting wrong, basically. I imagine conducting <laughs> yeah. it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go one, two, three, yeah, four, yeah, yeah. one, two, yeah, three. Yeah. So one so, man's chilled out is another man's wrong. Yeah, yeah. it's your bebop, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so so for for reggae and for ska, yeah, the emphasis traditionally is three. Yeah. So yeah. almost to the exclusion of everything else. So the the most traditional reggae drum beat is what's called a one drop, which is um, you know basically everything on the three. So if only I had a kid in front of me, but it would be like a one, two, three, four. Three, four, like that, right? So, and this is very different from most other kinds of pop around the world because, 
You know, usually, I mean, rock would be one, two, three, four, one, two, three, yeah, yeah. four, right? Even jazz is like four, yeah. eight, four, the, the big four. Mm. Um, would sort of have its emphasis there. Yeah. Mm. And and that, yeah, and there's also, I mean, there's a sort of like, it's like a lighter, almost like like the offbeats of the guitar or something yeah. Yeah. On, on the two and the four. Mm. So if I, yeah. you know. Yeah, for sure. But I'm playing one as the heavy one. If you yeah. make it actually the three, it's like. I mean, it probably feels weird to do it. On a piano, it's almost not a bass note. It's like it's like a the kick drum or something is on three. Yeah, and yeah, that gives yeah. it that cool. Well, so for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. That lilt, that what, um, especially if you're playing the keyboards in double time, it would be yeah. called a bubble. That rhythm, yeah. but um, but the yeah, the kick and the snare are often played in unison on three, which is really unusual. Um, for most other styles of music because you usually split it up. And sometimes it is, like in that Guns of Navarone, which is a bit more scar, you hear there's um, uh, the the kick is on the two and the four, so boom, jump, boom, boom, jump, boom, boom, jump, boom, mm-hmm. like that. Um, but it's still the emphasis is very much on the three. So what are you trying to say, Daniel? Well, I'm trying to say, look, it's a little bit there and under the sea. Mm. And if we go back to it, you can hear it a little bit in the verse. Ariel, listen to me. The human world, it's a mess. Life under the sea is better than anything they got up there. One, two, three, four. 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 That's where the kick is. It is. Boom. Just look at the world around you. Yep, it is. Such wonderful things around Then we get to the chorus. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, yep. And so what is happening here is a lot of that is being achieved by the bass as well. Mm. So you hear it's, it's a, I would describe this as kind of a cliche reggae bass line. And look, my one musical background that I can bring to this is I actually played bass in a, in a reggae band. This is, this is like the stereotypical, like leaving out the one. So listen to the bass here. Under the sea. So leaving out that one, which gives it this real kind of lilt and off kilterness. But I don't know. I don't know. I think it's closer to reggae, but I still don't think it's really there. Yeah, there's and little re- elements of the reggae, so the little offbeat sort yep. of guitar. That's yep. doing, da, 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 yeah, da, da, for da, sure. You know, it's sort of in there. Um, so there, it's, it's like they're taking the the spice of some of this and sort of just sprinkling it over the top. Yeah, I think it's a pretty, you know, it's a broad stab at, look, you know, this. <laughs> where's this character? Where's an idyllic tropical kind of area geographically? Yeah. You know, it's got to be around the equator somewhere. Yeah. You know, let's pick a, a broad musical identity of that of that kind of area. Mm. They've gone for it. And it's just a bit of a melange. Yeah, to use uh, a melange chef is. seafood term. <laughs> <laughs> um, Look, I think I think melange is 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 definitely right. Yeah. I, I yeah, as it, it's it's and so in the context of the rest of the film, it feels quite exotic. No, and for sure. And and, yeah. and the effect is is definitely there. I I just yeah, I can imagine a more reggae version, and that kind of makes <laughs> sense as well because you you you're not really going to the Little Mermaid for an authentic. Yeah. No, you know, world music experience, and I would also add that it's as a piece of music, it works unbelievably well. It's the it's the toe tapper of the entire yeah. you know film. 
um, you know, we, we performed this for a whole bunch of kids and they just screamed the house down. That was like <laughs> the funnest piece ever. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's 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 doing what it needs to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there's it was a good little journey. Thank you, Dan. Oh, um, the only time some... likely that I'll get to talk about reggae, unless we do a Guns <laughs> of Never Own episode, yeah. so. <laughs> then you're onto it. Yeah. Now, Nick, I think that's that's bringing us pretty close to the end here. But I wanted to ask a a question that. You know, I was talking about Scuttle being the men in black, you know, character where I just forget about it. The other thing I forget about in this film, and we actually, we haven't spoken about Kiss the Girl, and unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get to it. But the the other, the song that I never think about is the opening song, is the uh, Fathoms Below song. And it's There's an opening of, song? No, I know, right? There's <laughs> something happens before the title comes up. And I almost always forget about it. And uh, in case you've forgotten about it too, here it is. Now, the reason why I wanted to, to bring this one up is because if we're talking about tropes of musicals, this is another sort of big trope, mm. um, especially with Disney, lots of other musicals as what, well. the opening forgettable song? Well, no, it's, it's the... Well, yeah, sort of, to be honest. But it's the, the opening song that sets the scene. And what is strange about this is that often this scene-setting song mm. doesn't sound like the rest of the musical. It happens all the time. Yeah. So to g- give you an idea, so we've got Frozen. So I'm going I'm to stick to Disney at the moment. And um, the opening sort of, I guess, scene setting song, I'm not even going to know how to pronounce this, but it's um, Vuli. I don't know how to say it. Anyway, it's, it's this one. Sorry, did you say that's from Frozen? That's from Frozen. It oh. doesn't sound like it's from Frozen, say, does it? Is that like yeah. a rejected song from The Lion King? Yeah, yeah. Um, this is exactly what I'm talking put about. Your favorite world music album? Yeah, you press the wrong button, Andrew. <laughs> um, I know, right? Like, and and the same thing happens. Well, it's not quite as extreme on this particular one, but the same thing happens in Moana. Mm-hmm. Um, that they have sort of a scene-setting um, song at the start that once again doesn't quite mix in with the rest of the the soundtrack. Here it is. <sighs> I mean, ultimately what it is, it's the chorus of the musical mm. setting up the musical yeah. before we meet the main characters. Mm. Yeah, time. and it's almost getting to the the core spirit of 
the of the world. I mean, you mm. think of Fathoms Below. This whole film is about water. It's yeah, under the sea and above sea, but it's yeah. all around water. It's a sea shanty. It's yeah, the yeah, most yeah. basic form of setting. You know, it's almost like back to the back to the the roots of of the sea song. It's yeah, the first yeah. kind of sea song that existed. It's a shanty. Here in the fathoms below, you know, birds, eye, fish, fingers, like whatever you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, it's it sets the mood of, of a real kind of typical sea song. That one from Moana, you really kind of feel that the spirit, it's quite earthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, First Nations people, that's those kind of things. The Lion but that, King. That sound doesn't come back in again, you know, no. like for the rest uh, okay. of the, the yeah. whole musical. Well, I mean, that, that that is a good counterpoint, though. The Circle of Life does sound like the rest of The Lion King because it plays at the end. Ah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mm. Hence the circle, Dan. Hence the circle. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't lying. Yeah. They weren't lying. Oh, ah, very good, very good. Uh, uh, do we do we finish on that? <laughs> oh, I don't know if we can. If we, what else we got? Let's, I, uh, thought, <laughs> I thought we were coming full circle. We're going to end, and then you went and did it. Mm. Pinned you. But it, but it's 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 true though. Like uh, even the circle of life is that kind of like it's narrator's voice, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And and it's always the chorus. Yeah. Like I mean, mm. you can think of Piles musicals. I didn't go through and sort of, you know, try to work out all of them, mm. but there are so many musicals that start with a chorus number. Mm. And it's before you've met any character and then out of the chorus number you then meet the character. Yeah. Um but they don't it's- start with music by itself and then the character just comes out they almost always start with yeah. the chorus so. same, same with that narrator idea in Arabian Nights as well yeah yeah Aladdin. totally yeah totally it's sure. a musical equivalent of like the wide shot yeah before panning before in before panning in so yeah. what we're saying let's try and end with this instead what we're saying is we begin with the chorus yes we then have the I want song yeah we then have the mentor saying nah this is the way it is yes we then have the villain yes and then stuff happens and then the film finishes. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, have I missed any steps yeah. along the way? Writing musicals, Dan, is very easy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You do those things yeah. and then And then you get just, eight Oscar yeah, yeah, yeah. And make yeah. sure it sounds like West Side Story. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> a couple yeah. of John Williams uh, references. Yeah. Music for many limbs, etc. Yeah. You've got a hit, you've got a hit uh, mm. musical on your hands. Mm. Um, I think we did it, guys. We did. I think we got there. I'm surprised how much we got out of The Little Mermaid. Okay, here's here's a dumb fact for you. <laughs> the Little Mermaid goes for 85 minutes. Ooh. Guess how much we've been going for. 86? A lot more than 85 <laughs> minutes. We could have live... Live, um, you know, commented, commented yeah. the over the top of commentary, this. The podcaster's commentary. And Ooh. we still would have had 40 minutes to keep on talking. Goodness me. There we go. There you go. <laughs> well, it goes to show, I mean, look, when we when we decided to do this, I sort of thought, oh, The Little Mermaid, like, yeah, it's mm. a couple of songs, but that's, mm. that's about it. But no, once you start getting under the bones of it and mm. uh, under the sea with it, yep. <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there. See, it's a uh, very important it, film. Nick showed his French roots there by getting under the bones. Ah. I'm trying to be mm. profound. Here, yeah. Andrew, he's a very important film for Disney. <laughs> it's an important film for my childhood. It I'm is sure for for yours as well, and for many listeners out there. Mm. Um, but Alan yeah. Menken, what a guy! What a guy! Yeah. yeah, I'm. I this will not be the last Alan Menken, no. um, mm. you know, score that we do because this has been a real delight checking this out. So, unfortunately, that brings us to the end of the Little Mermaid. We hope you enjoyed yourself. And if you did, go ahead and press subscribe and write us a review on iTunes or all the other places you can write reviews. Um, It certainly helps us get the word out there. And if you have any questions about the scores we talk about or you have some answers to some of the questions that we asked or you just want to request a score, we're getting that all the time, then hit us up on Twitter at Art of the Score, Instagram, also Art of the Score, and Facebook as well, same name. And... 
will try to add it to the list. And I've got to say, Dan, the list is extensive. It is extremely extensive, yes. But we re- appreciate it. And we do add them to the list. It's just, a, you know, it's going to take us some time to get through it. Yeah. Uh, but until next time, I'm Andrew Pogson. That's Dan Golding. Thank you for making us part of your world. I love it. And he's Nicholas Buck. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. And this was Art of the Score.